I'm Void. And I'm Beach. And together, we're the geek to geek podcast. Well, we make it. It is kind of us, but I guess it's separate. Every week, we pick a topic from geek or digital culture and chat about it for a while. And you're invited. We talk about books and movies, games, comics, the internet. Or really whatever we feel like. Yeah, that too. So look for the geek to geek podcast on iTunes. Or wherever your podcasts are sold. Or downloaded. Or whatever. Comics. Hey everyone, this is Rob, your friendly neighborhood comic geek. And this is Liam, the the languishing, lascivious Liam of Langley. Wow, that was extremely illiterate of you. Well, I try. We are the hosts of the Comic Box, part of the Geek to Geek Podcast Network. So join us. Bop, bop. Oh, yeah. Hello, my name is Joe Hogan. Many of you know me as Epic Grays in various video games and social media. Welcome to episode 99 of Geektitude, a geek culture podcast that celebrates the inner geek in all of us. Today, I'm very excited to be joined by my good friend, Ray Vargas. How you doing, Ray? Hey, how's it going? It's going great. It's been a while. It has been a while, and it feels like even longer. (laughs) Is, Is it me, or did this fall just kick everybody's butt? Oh man, definitely kicked mine. So <laughs> I guess, you know, you can count me in with, with that. Well, we are here today to do our regular review of, of the good movies that are coming out. And so we're, we're tackling Thor. Uh, this is a spoiler cast. So we'll say that right now and we'll try and give another warning when we get a little further on. But, uh, but that's what we're here to do today. But before we do that, what have you been up to, Ray? What's, what's your, what's your weekly geekery? Oh man, um, it's been tough to squeeze it in lately. I'm working a lot, and uh, as we've talked about before, you know, because I'm in admissions and college recruiting, the fall is definitely the busy time of year. I'm traveling right. different parts of the country and talking to students and stuff. Uh, and then on top of that, I finally started the grad program, so I'm definitely I'm in the thick of of my fall semester right now. Um, so with those two things combined, it's just you know that's pretty much life right now. Um, but I did finally um, get it, I guess, <laughs> build up the, uh, the the tolerance to start Walking Dead again recently. <laughs> now, did you you were starting at the, the Negan episode, or where were you and all that? So, so I actually bogged down because I was re-watching it and uh, trying to lead up to, to the, the Negan season, because mm-hmm. that is where I had stopped originally. And uh, we just bogged down in season six, I think the beginning of season six, because as you and I have talked about before, I love that show to death, but it is just so dark. <laughs> and yeah, I yeah. remember I used to just kind of stick up for it. And, you know, you would talk about how dark it was. And I'm like, yeah, but that's what makes it great. Well, this time, oh, man, it definitely got the best of me. So 
I took a nice long break. And every time I thought I was ready to dive back in again, I was like, nope, no, not quite <laughs> ready yet. Uh, but finally, finally uh, started that up again. So I'm excited because there's now even another season up on Netflix. So that's cool because once I catch up with season six, I think there's there's a couple of seasons or at least two new episode dumps to kind of like get through. Mm-hmm. Um, and beyond that, I've been doing some reading actually. Um, I've got a, a relatively new coworker, Gloria Rivera, who is getting a, she'll get a larger shout out later, but she's getting a shout out now. Um, mm-hmm. she's, she makes, uh, comic books and, and zines. She's also a graduate of LCAD, the school that I work for in my alma mater. And, um, whereas, you know, I've always been into the superhero stuff. Um, she's really into like the indie comic book scene. Mm-hmm. And so we've been exchanging titles and I've been reading some really cool stuff. Um, one of my early favorites right away is this uh, comic artist and writer named Eleanor Davis, mm-hmm. who, uh, man, I, just, I love I love the stuff coming from that creator. So that's pretty much what I've been doing, reading comics when I can, when I squeeze them in. And, you know, whenever I get a, a, a night off to just kind of practice some self-care, uh, terrorize myself with some Walking Dead. Nice. Now, what kind of comics does Eleanor Davis do? Like, what does she what is she putting out? Um, it's hard to say because I'm still relatively new to like this whole genre of comic books. Mm-hmm. Um, she and, and so it's I feel like you know kind of a newbie in this. Um, mm-hmm. because I just grew up really. It's so funny. Like I thought like my tastes towards comics were kind of tended towards the weird and kind of subversive and stuff. And then I found out what that really is. <laughs> you know, and I'm like, oh no, I'm as norm core as it gets with like comic books, you know? <laughs> it's a sad day when you think of yourself as kind of hardcore and alternative and you're like, no, I'm not even scratching that surface. <laughs> oh my God, man. So, um, Eleanor has done some works for Fantagraphics. Um, She's put out a bunch of like self-published stuff as well. And I've only read a couple of her like shorter uh, stories. But you know, when you find a, a, a voice that's new to you, by no means is she a new voice, but you know, she's been doing her thing for a long time really well. But, um, you know, when you just, you, you find for yourself like a new creator whose work you haven't been exposed to yet and it mm-hmm. just clicks and you're just like, Oh man, they, whatever their, you know, uh, a body of work is up to, up to this date. Like I just, it's all like treasure, you know, like yeah. I'm going to get to go through all the back catalog stuff and just, it's going to be pure joy. That's how I feel about, about this artist's work. Well, that's, and that's the nice thing about picking up somebody who's established is that you have all that content to get through. Right. Um, I know I just recently finished, um, Jim, like Jim Butcher is, is a prolific author. He, he does a lot of the, he does all the Dresden file books. I don't know if you've heard of those. Yes, I have. Yeah. Yeah. So he does Dresden files. He has a, a fantasy, uh, series and he just started a steampunk fantasy novel series. And I didn't realize when I picked up the first book that it was the only book in the series right now. Mm. And I'm like, no, <laughs> I want more. <laughs> Yeah, so it's it's really cool to um, just, you know, I really enjoy working around other artists and we all kind of influence each other. And uh, it's I feel like there's constantly like some kind of creative motivation and like stimulation around. Um, mm-hmm. And that's it's just so cool to have that. So, yeah, Gloria's thanks to Gloria. She's been turning me on to some really cool stuff. That's awesome. Now, with your grad program, have you been putting out a lot of work? 
Yes, I have, but I haven't, I've actually been keeping it close, you know, closely guarded. Um, it's one of the things that, and I'm not saying like any one way is the right way to do things, but I know in the past, you know, uh, as an artist and illustrator that was, you know, doing commercial work and selling work and seeking to do that kind of like, like you build a higher profile around my work. I was always posting stuff. I mean, you know that from following me on social media. Yeah. I was, you know, posting works in progress and posting new paintings and whatever I was making, prints and stickers and stuff in the hopes that it would, you know, catch an audience. Um, nowadays, I feel like this is more of a, a long game that I'm kind of playing now where in this grad program, I'm, I'm changing up my style a little bit. I'm definitely making work that's more personal. And so, you know, I feel like I'm, I'm kind of like in an incubator or like I'm like in a, in a cocoon or something. Mm-hmm. And whatever it is, you know, that's happening now is part of the tr- a transformation for me. And eventually I will, you know, come out of that with a body of work. But right now it's, it's kind of a delicate thing where it's like, you know, I don't want to expose it to outside influence quite yet because I want to give it its, its due space and time to see where it goes. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, it makes sense. You're, you're, you're rediscovering what you do. Yeah. And, and when you do that, you want to kind of figure it all out before you start getting other people's inevitable feedback. Yeah, in, exact inevitable keyword, right? Right. <laughs> yeah, totally. So it's total. It's a completely different approach for me, but I'm really excited about it because I honestly didn't ever anticipate that I would be in this mode of you know of of making art. But it's really exciting. That's awesome. Yeah, That's awesome. yeah, it's good stuff lately, man. Very cool. So, um. I have been getting into, I don't know where I'm finding the time. I'm like stuffing it into little like crevices in my day whenever I can find it. Right. Um, but I, I mentioned this on this last episode, just for, for full clarity, this episode is coming out basically a week after we record it. We're recording on November 6th, but this will probably be coming out on the 13th. Um, and uh, that's because the, the weekend this is the time traveling thing. The weekend just before this comes out, uh, Kelly Hightower is out here. We're doing Palm Springs Comic Con. Um, I heard today that Katie's going to be able to be there from uh, Tea Time with Katie and Chelsea. Kenny Rodder's going to be there. There's a whole bunch of us going to oh, get together. Wow. Yeah. yeah, it's going to be a whole thing. Um, so hopefully we've had a good time uh, for the time traveling people listening to this. Um <laughs> But I just recorded my last episode yesterday, so it feels like I'm putting in a whole bunch of stuff that I either forgot about yesterday <laughs> or whatever. But um, just in the last 24 hours, I have rekindled my absolute obsession with Warcraft. Oh, just um, in the Blizz- last 24 hours, you said? Yes, because BlizzCon was this last weekend. And they're doing so many things to change it. A lot of people are really grumpy about the next expansion. It's going to be a, a Horde versus Alliance, very old school, bringing it back to its roots. And people are like, we've heard this story before. We're bored. And I'm like, no, this is great. This is what I love about Warcraft. It's, you know, I, I, I've, I've become what they call bifactional, where you, you have characters on, on either side. And I'm like, dude, if we're going, I, I spent the weekend in a, a hotel room watching BlizzCon with my brother because we decided that we were going to get the virtual ticket and we were just going to take a vacation and the two of us were going to escape everything and watch BlizzCon. And 
we looked at this and we're like, well, forget our alts. We're going back to the horde and we're going back to our roots. And, and so I've been trying to absorb all the information that's coming out on the next expansion and all the changes they're doing and what I need to do to catch up. So I've become a little bit Warcraft obsessed. That's really cool. That's like, you know, rediscovering your old love, you know, like making it new again. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, for us, it's going on 13 years that this game has been out and, it's, I mean, it is my fandom. It's just for the last year or so, I just haven't had the energy or the time to invest in it. Yeah. And with all of these announcements, they've announced that, you know, the, this game has changed a lot over the 13 years, mm. completely different than when it first came out. And over the last year, they've been closing down these private servers, which are basically people who find a way to run the game in its like original form, like when it first came out. And, Thousands of people will find these illegal servers and they will play like the basic freshly launched game. And people are like, Oh my God, it would be so cool to go back and do this. And Blizzard's going, they have to shut it down because you have to protect your IP. But, um, but they just announced at BlizzCon that they are now, they don't know when it's going to happen. It's going to take a really long time for them to do it, but they're going to actually establish classic servers where you can go back and play the game and it's like crappy <laughs> infinitesimal, you know, <laughs> ways yeah. and, and go back. And like, it's one of those things that most people are like, Oh, I would never want to do that. It was so horrible back then. But then you start talking about all the things that aren't in the game anymore and all the major changes they've made. And it's like, Oh my God, it would be so good to, even if you just kind of dip your, your toe in the pond again, just to remember how, how bad and rough we had it back in the day. Right. Um, like it's, I think a lot of people are just really, really excited about being able to go back and feel the nostalgia of playing it in its raw original vanilla form. I mean, I feel like, and I don't know a whole lot about the game industry, but I feel like I've seen cousins and friends of mine who are gamers do that when like say like an old like nintendo platform like be, gets like a resurgence and like now everyone's mm-hmm. playing those old games again maybe like in a you know on a different console or something like that you know what i mean yeah yeah i mean and and a lot of like i mean and i don't know how familiar you are with with the evolution of mmos but before world of warcraft there was everquest and there's still everquest oh, wow. and what they do now is everquest actually will like boot up a new server so it's fresh nobody's been playing on it they just brand new game from the beginning and it'll it'll start it as if the game was just freshly launched and then every 6 months or so they'll they'll update it to the next expansion okay and so you basically get to relive in kind of a shortened period of time the entire evolution of the game and so now people are like, well, if you're going to start this on, on with wow and you're going to go back to classic, yeah, keep, keep one or two servers where it's just the classic, you know, ba- basic vanilla game. But then, you know, like, let us take that journey back through all the expansions and, and love the stuff we loved about it and, and hate the stuff we hate about it and, and just have that experience again. That's cool. I feel like between knowing you and listening to you talk about this and then working where I work, I'm like, it's like this, this gaming culture is like constantly at the periphery of like my world, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and I, I don't know if we've talked about this before. I, I'm pretty sure we have, but, and I swear I'm not like trying to just like sell the school, which is like my day job. But, um, you know, our game art program at Alcat is really popular with 
young artists that want to work for Blizzard because we work so closely with them. Right. Uh, I don't know if, if have we talked about that? Um, I don't think so because I think I would be like all over that. Yeah. <laughs> I'd be like, get me in, <laughs> get me a tour. <laughs> Blizzard's in uh, Irvine, which is right by Laguna Beach, it's like right next door. And um, I know in the past our game art students have actually gotten um, tours of the Blizzard facility, and uh, we actually employ a, a couple of World of Warcraft artists. Um, Tina Wang, this is, so we just had a, a meeting not too long ago with the department chair of our game art program, which is Gavin Rich. And, um, he's, he was in the industry for many years and he's got a lot of connections and, uh, we employ a lot of artists that are, we like, what, what, what our programs like to do is hire artists that are working full time in their industries to teach mm-hmm. as opposed to hiring like career teachers. You know what I mean? Right. Um, and so we actually have uh, Tina Wang is a World of Warcraft artist, and she's teaching our 3D1 class to our game art students right now. And then um, I know that there's a, there's another uh, a faculty member as well, but Tina is the one whose name I have written down. And then um, there's actually um, this guy named Justin Tabarat who's on our game art advisory board, and he's the overseeing art director at Blizzard, and he's He's the guy who made the original box art for World of Warcraft. That's oh. cool. <laughs> That's really cool. Because I mean, I, I, I've actually heard of Tina Wang. Oh, like, she's wow. well known. Like she's well known. Like, and that's the thing. I, I don't know. I don't know voice artists. I don't know, um, you know, game artists. I don't know a lot of for anything else. But I've heard enough of them because I'm deeply enough entrenched in the in the subculture of warcraft and yeah. and all the podcasts that come out and everything else is like i've heard all of these names before i that's hear these amazing. names at blizzcon yeah that's amazing well we might have to talk after we record this and uh you know maybe you can come pay, pay visits to me at work or something and well, well that would be awesome that would be out. awesome cool. oh, man, i would i would lose my shit <laughs> that's awesome dude okay great this is so weird world colliding from like totally <laughs> different parts of my life like that's awesome i love that love when that happens so yeah, so I've been I've been kind of obsessing about that. Like it's just kind of been in the back of my mind mind constantly. And then because we watched Thor, um I've been trying to find anything out about Avengers Infinity War. I kind of avoided it because I was like uh, honestly, the last couple of months have been so crazy. I'm just like I don't have time for new input. I need to not but but after this, I was like, all right, what's next? What's next? I gotta, right, <laughs> gotta right. get something else. Right. Well, when it's a source of joy, you know, you're like, oh, okay, I, I need some, I need some joy in my life. Let me, let me dig for some news or info. Right, right. And then, um, I, I don't know if you know what NanoRimo is. I do not. Do I want? Um, that is. Well, it's it's National Novel Writing Month. Oh, I've and... heard about this. Where you write a novel in one month? Yes. Oh, and... yes. My friend Lorenzo told me about that. Yeah. So, um, again, this is on the sixth, although it's going to be hearing this about a week later. As of today, I have 10,000 of the 50,000 words. Oh, wow. Wait, are you saying that as like how little you have or how much you have? No, as, as much as I have. Okay, like I'm, I'm keeping, I'm keeping in pace. You're supposed to do, you're supposed to do 1,667 words a day. Wow. That's, yeah, I have a friend who's doing that. He's a writer. He's great. And he first told me about that and I was blown away. That this is even a thing, and it sounds like an insane challenge. That's really cool that you're like killing it. Well, I'm 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 just excited. I'm like I find it really relaxing, and I've heard a lot of people talking about being writers. Like I've never really thought of like oh I'm going to be a novelist, and I don't even know that I'm doing this to 
for anything other than my own enjoyment of what I'm doing. But I've heard artists talk about, well, the characters will sometimes go in directions that I don't expect them to go. Or, you know, I, I'm constantly surprised by what happens with my characters. And I'm thinking, okay, that's just silly. I mean, you're the one in control. You're the one writing. Like, it's obviously like you've plotted it out and it's going to happen. Yeah, no, it's not like that at all. <laughs> like, you'll be sitting there, at least the way I'm working now is I'll be sitting there writing and I'll be like, oh, well, this scene kind of has to go this way. And I didn't expect it to go that way. Oh, all right. Well, we'll just see where this leads. And then today, um, I got to a point where I'm like, okay, I need a character here. And I realized that the perfect character is a character I designed for an RPG, like <laughs> back in college. And I'm like, oh my God, she'd be perfect here. And so she's now in my story. And it, it's just kind of weird how it really is kind of not writing itself, but it, it's definitely the, the path is not something that I've planned. And I went into it. I'm like, okay, this is what people say. People say that you can kind of jump in and have benchmarks that you want to hit. I'm going to try and hit them and we'll see how it goes. And I'm, I'm kind of just enjoying seeing where the writing takes me. I don't even think it's all that good, but I'm having fun doing it. That sounds really cool. Yeah. And I'm, yeah, I've heard the same thing. Actually, I've heard writers say that. And that's always kind of, you know, confused me where, you know, they say the same thing that you, that you were talking about. Uh, you know, the characters kind of tell you where they want to go. Um, so, and then, so I have a question. Does, uh -huh. do, does a character ever correct you or like course correct you where you, you want to take it this way, but then you kind of have to stop and go, no, this character wouldn't do that or something like that. A little bit. Like it was kind of like, I, I knew that a, a big reveal was going to be done by a certain character and it actually ended up being easier to have it done with m the main character. Like it, it made more sense. Okay. And so it completely changed the dynamic of the characters. Um, the, the way I've got it set up is my main character is a professor, a college professor and his kind of sidekick is a, a grad student that they've become really kind of almost like a brotherly relationship. Mm -hmm. And, um, and I thought it was going to be a lot more, um, the the older guy kind of following in the shadow of the grad student because the grad student's the one who's confident and doesn't care and just kind of dives in head first and the professor is the one that is very um safe and doesn't want to doesn't want to make waves and is kind of going through a midlife crisis and i'm finding that in kind of exploring the relationship the professor is actually making discoveries before the grad student can. So a lot of the stuff that I thought the grad student was going to be doing, the professor's doing. Is there any point where editing happens or not while you're trying to finish this in a month? Not when you're trying to finish this in a month. Okay. Like I already know, like I had started it in a summer session in college and I'm like, no, this is going to have to be in, in right. the fall, but I'm not going to go back and fix it until afterwards. But this is cool because like another thing that I've heard is that the blank page is like a really huge deal to get over. And mm -hmm. so it sounds like through this exercise, you now have the bones of something and you can take that somewhere. Yeah. And I, I purposely picked, like I've got, I've had story ideas. I've even talked to you about a couple of story ideas. Yeah. And I was like, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna play with those on this because I don't want to mess up. So I don't want the pressure of completing something I'm invested in. Mm-hmm. 
I'm literally just going to see if I can write a story, like if I can get 50,000 words and make them make sense. Cool. And, and so I'm like not having that. I've got to fit it into my preconceived notion of what the story is supposed to be. Mm-hmm. It's just relaxing. Like I, I don't dread doing it. I'm, I'm perfectly fine stopping at a certain point going, okay, I'm done for today, but it's not like, Oh, I've got to write paid. I've got to write words today. Wow. Um, that's yeah, cool. so I'm loving it. I, I highly recommend, you know, I, it may be a little bit late when this comes out for people to jump in, although people have been known to do it in the last week of the month. Wow. But, uh, <laughs> yeah. Hardcore. But I would, I would highly recommend that at some point everybody give it a try because it's, it's just fun. It's relaxing and there's no pressure because, I mean, I don't have to get this published. I don't even have to show it to anybody. Well, God, you are being crazy productive. That is amazing. <laughs> <laughs> make you feel make me feel like I'm slacking here. That's pretty great. Well, no, because you're you're busy and and productive too. It's just we're, we're all just doing it in a different way. So. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Well, anything else? Anything else that's been going on? No, nah, man, I'm ready to dive into Thor because it's been a while since we've done one of these um these re- movie reviews. What right? What was the last one? Was it Doctor Strange? Yeah, it's been like no, it was it was Spider Man. It's been it's oh, been 15 funny. episodes. Wow. And then the next one is Black Panther, right? In February? Um, well, that, that depends. Do you want to do Justice League in a couple of weeks? Oh my God. That's right. <laughs> I mean, course. like, I would understand if you said no. Of course. Yeah. We got to do Justice League. I, I'm, I mean, that whole business with Joss Whedon just, I don't even know what to make of that, Joe. Like, I don't know what to expect anymore. It's just, it's, it's, I don't know. It's beyond my, you know, I can't even build up hype for it anymore. Like I, I just don't know what to do with it. I'm, I'm planning on going in and enjoying the um, fabulousness that is um, Gal Gadot. Okay. And uh, the beautifulness that is uh, um, Jason Momoa. Uh, Jason Momoa. Hell yeah, and, man! <laughs> that's that's all. I'm, that's all I am expecting is to enjoy <laughs> Gail. Uh, Gal Gadot's performance and and Jason Momoa's body and that's all that's that's the only expectation I'm going in. With. I gotta be honest, I'm pretty much there for Jason Momoa too. He's he's, <laughs> he's pretty damn awesome. Yeah, yeah that, that yeah. dude's a specimen. So yeah, and and I I don't know, I'm kind of digging what I've seen so far in the, in the material that's been released of this like like Aquaman like Aqua Bro, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure I'm not, I haven't coined that, but, uh, you know what I'm talking about, you know? Oh yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Yeah. No, it's, it's, it's just such a odd, like this is, this is going to be the culmination of hurried trying to catch DC, trying to catch up with Marvel, throwing everything together, see what would work. Lots and lots of failures. Like there's, this is such a Frankenstein of a movie. Yeah. It's going to be a beautiful hot mess. it, It is. It is. And I'm, I'm a, the only reason why I'm excited to go is I want to sit there and watch the car, the train wreck. And it may be amazing. Like, yeah. it may be phenomenal, but it's going to be a beautiful train wreck. If that's, <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, even if it's a beautiful, perfectly done movie, the, the fact that it's gone through so much, I, you're going to, you're going to see the kind of yeah. straight as they're pulling it into that space yeah. as like oh, all man. of them forcing it to be a good movie. And this is pretty like, they're being, they're being pretty. I want to say open with their interpretations of the characters. Cause I know be, you know, beyond Aquaman, um, kind of taking on the personality of, of Jason Momoa, 
this is kind of like a team flash kind of thing, right? Where he's like the young one in the group along with the uh, cyborg. Yeah. A little bit. Yeah. He's, he's, I think he's supposed to have ADD or ADHD. Okay. Yeah. Right. So, I mean, I, whatever, man, I'm there for it. Like, let, let, let's get it on. You know, that sounds awesome. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, it's going to be what it's going to be. And I'm perfectly happy to just sit there and, and, and just take it in. Like, it's going to be what it's going to be. I'm not, I'm not going to have any pre- preconceived notions on this one. Oh, what an age we live in as comic fans. <laughs> it's, it's so odd, Ray. Yeah. Like, it just like I, the number of, like today I saw a bumper sticker. Well, it wasn't Belkrit. They had like, instead of a fan, those little stick figure families, it were zombie families. And then on the other side of the <laughs> window was a TARDIS. And I'm like, what, where were we living? Like, like, when did this happen? Because I, like, this is not the only like car art that I have seen that right. is, ge- I, I got, I was driving back from, from, um, San Diego Comic Con this summer and, uh, somebody drove past me because my, my, um, License plate says geek in it. Um, these people passed me and flashed me the live long and prosper sign. Yes. Like, I mean, I, like, I just don't know what, like, if you had told 14 year old me that this is the world we were going to be living in when I was 40, I, I just don't know. Right. Right. I know. I, I give, you know, sometimes I show examples of my old sketchbooks from when I was a teenager with uh, prospective students and, you mm-hmm. know, I thought I, I would assume that I would have to explain what who some of these characters were that I was drawing, but nope, everyone knows who Nightwing is. I'm like, that's okay. That's, <laughs> wow, all right. You guys know who Nightwing is. That's great. <laughs> all right, well, we ponder the, um, the world that we live in. We're going to go to a commercial break, and then we're going to come back, and we're going to talk about Thor Ragnarok. Hey, everyone. I'm Katie. And I'm Chelsea. And we're the hosts of the podcast, Tea Time with Katie and Chelsea. We are two best friends who love pop culture. We try to have a female perspective on things, but we really just talk about anything we like. What are some recent topics we've done, Katie? Uh, Well, we've talked about girl power songs, Wonder Woman, Veronica Mars, young adult fiction novels, San Diego Comic Con, and so much more. So grab your cup of tea or whatever your drink of choice is and download our podcast on iTunes or Stitcher and start listening today. Greetings from TG Geeks webcast where Ben and Keith, the two gay geeks, talk about all aspects of geekdom and nerdery. Sci-fi, comics, film, horror, genre, you name it, we talk about it. Find our episodes each week on TGGeeks.com. Visit our Facebook page, TG Geeks Webcast. On Google Plus and YouTube, look for us as Two Gay Geeks. You can tweet at TG Geeks and at the Two Gay Geeks. Or call our feedback line at 469-TG-Geeks. That is 469-844-3357. Happy listening. Peace. Cheers. And we're back. And we are talking today about Thor Ragnarok. But before we do... Just want to remind you a couple of things. First of all, um, you should know that episodes 71 and 72 of the comic box goes into great depth on Thor Ragnarok. Uh, 71 is Rob's, um, and I'm sorry, not episode issues. Issue 71 is his uh, covering of the backstory and all that wonderfulness that we like to kind of set up the movie and then a good review on 72. So please make sure and check out Rob and the comic box because they are awesome episodes. I always watch them or I listen to the episodes between 
watching the movie and recording my episode. I, I find that that's kind of the sweet spot where I enjoy hitting his, <laughs> hitting his movie, movie episodes. The other thing I want to mention and, um, and we're going to talk about it a little bit later, but this is episode 99, right? That is insane. It is. It is. And so I just, you know, I'll, I'll talk about it again as we, we finish up the episode. But if you have questions for me or favorite moments you'd like to share about the podcast, or if you, um, you know, just want to send a, a, a congratulations on 100 episodes, uh, go ahead and make sure you send that to Joe Hogan at geektitude.com. I'll take written anything. I will take audio files. You let me know and we will, we will try and get it into episode 100. And, uh, I'd love those by midnight on, uh, November 17th so that I have some time that weekend to work them in. But, uh, that is, that is coming up next week and that's kind of crazy. Yeah, that is. Whoa. So we'll talk about that in a little bit. But now we're going to talk about Thor Ragnarok. Um, how was your experience, sir? Uh, it was pure joy, I would say, with this movie. <laughs> it was just 100% wall-to-wall fun. I, I think, I, I feel like this was the first Marvel movie that kind of, I mean, there's been some deep dives but but this one this one hit deep tone like this one was like we're doing a comic book movie that's like comic book movie like this was this was 80s comic book movie yes one of my notes that i made was this is and i keep saying this with each movie but with each movie it feels like they're getting more and more into the feeling of a comic book actually come to life Mm mm-hmm that's what this felt like. It felt very Kirby and very Simonson. Yes. Well, the the art alone, like the costume yeah. design and the like, it was insane. Yeah, yeah. And and I loved all the promotional material because I feel like it really set you up well for the tone and the style of the movie as well. Um, all of the like really acidic like neon colors. And of course, the the Led Zeppelin song featured throughout the film itself. Mm-hmm. It just all worked together really well. I feel like they really nailed this one. They knocked it out of the park. And I'm that's within the context of what they're trying to achieve. You know what I mean? Like it, it might not be everyone's cup of tea or everyone's favorite Marvel movie because of you know whatever tone, you know, or, or whatnot, but for what they were trying to achieve, they absolutely did that. Yeah, they, they really did. They really did. I, I, I knew exactly what I was getting when I went into this movie. I didn't know what the plot was going to be. I didn't know what the, like I got, I had the general idea of what was going to happen, but I, um, I was not, I was not taken by surprise. Have you, what, what was your take on, the previous two Thor movies for me, they were okay. Um, I was, I don't want to say impressed because I, that's not the appropriate word, but I was amused by the way they kind of melded the, the Nordic fantasy aspect with the, the comic book genre. It really kind of didn't hit both of them too hard. It kind of did a, a good, melding of the two yeah um i think the first one was a lot better than the second one okay um 
and I felt like it, it kind of established Thor as the the character that they were kind of trying to figure out, but I don't know that they figured Thor out until this movie. Coming into this movie, was Thor your least favorite of the franchises, of the various franchises? Yeah, the movie-wise, yes. Okay, yeah. I I actually did, wasn't as down on number two as most people were, mm-hmm. but I also find that I'm not as up on number one as most people are. I really didn't enjoy the first movie, and I thought the second movie was okay. You know, so they're kind of on on the same kind of level for me. Gotcha. Yeah, no, I wouldn't, I wouldn't disagree with that. I mean, I didn't think, oh my God, the first one was amazing. I didn't think, oh my God, the second one sucked. They were just kind of there. And I, and I've heard of Chris Hemsworth talk about in the past that of, of what his hopes were for the character and what he actually wanted to do. I remember reading some stuff about him and, and it could have just been, I don't know, rumors or whatever, but I remember reading some stuff about him being frustrated about Thor 2 because he wasn't making the kind of Thor movies that he wanted to make. Interesting. Yeah. And I feel like, okay, this to me, if there's truth to that, this totally makes sense. Part, part three is like, you know, full on, like you, obviously his comedic chops are on full display. Uh, he's hilarious <laughs> yeah, and really. Uh, really having a lot of fun. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think, I think Thor is often presented in the comics and everything is very brooding and very full of himself and mm-hmm. not, not in the, the frat boy full of himself. We can make, you know, right. we can make fun of him because that's what he was in this movie. I feel like yeah. he's usually kind of presented as just the very serious, I'm, I'm the God of Thunder. Like, of course I'm going to do things amazingly. And that kind of is just one note and old. Yeah, they did that a little bit in the first film, right? Where there was that fish out of water thing when he was on Earth and, you know, speaking in that Shakespearean, you know, way or whatever. Mm-hmm. Well, and that's what I think, I mean, uh, there was some debate on Rob's episode about, you know, maybe this is a, an effect of him being around humans for as much as he has. You can kind of justify the character growth. Yeah, that's I like that, actually. That makes sense. Um, yeah. I, yeah, I feel like uh, definitely... Walking out of this film, I feel like, okay, as soon as the credits rolled, I said, okay, Guardians of the Galaxy is the template going forward. That yes. is, you know, that that is the film of all titles, right? Like, that was supposed to be, like, the long shot, like, the weird Marvel movie that had a good chance of not working. And instead, you know, it turned into, like, the blockbuster that it did. And it has now, like, set the template for what Marvel, I think, is trying to do going forward. Yes, but I don't think I like. I don't think Black Panther is going to have that feel. Um, I don't true. know that um, Avengers: uh, Infinity War is going to have that feel. I feel like Ant Man and the Wasp already kind of had that feel. Yeah, but I, I again, I feel I feel like they're because Ant Man and the Wasp, Ant Man the first one, well, was already in production for forever, right? So mm-hmm. it, I feel like you know, if that had come out before Guardians, I feel like that would have kind of stolen some of that idea of like oh look it's like funny and you know it's like action but it's got that comedic kind of zany element to it but i think because guardians did it so well it almost seems like they've always been trying to nail this kind of balance Mm -hmm. and guardians the first guardian seems like it did it the the best and now i feel like this movie has done it the best like this is top that for me this is top that yeah, I can see that. I can see. I, I I enjoyed it. Like it went fast. It didn't feel like it was. It didn't drag. There was no point where I was like, oh my god, let's let's move on. Um, yeah. 
like there were, there was a lot of good. Like I, I didn't have a lot of complaints. It, it seems like, um, this is an example to me of a filmmaker managing to retain their voice while still making a, a Marvel style movie. Mm-hmm. And it seems like, you know, cause Marvel has kind of built this reputation as like, Oh, you know, they're not going to let you do your thing that you're known for as a filmmaker. You're going to have to come in and make a, the house style, you know, kind of film. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I kind of see it as, I mean, in my experience as, as an artist, I'm kind of relating it to that where there are some artists that are, uh, they're fine artists and they work in the fine art industry, meaning that they make work that is of their own personal studio and no one's paying them to make this work. It's very personal work. And then once it's made and they have the complete freedom to make what they want to make, uh, then they go out and they try to, you know, they, they seek gallery representation and sell it in that way. Mm-hmm. And then there are commercial artists who are, you know, illustrators like, like, like myself who were, um, working with a client, right? Working with someone who's paying you to make this work, but you were bringing your own voice to it. And there's, there's a different balance of that, that translates to success for different artists. I feel like, you know, some artists just would hate the idea of someone else having a say over what they're making. Mm -hmm. And then there's some artists like myself, I always felt like that was a really crucial component. Like for me, the, the artwork that I enjoyed making was a collaboration where I had to factor in someone else's restrictions, opinions, you know, requests, whatever. And that kind of kickstarted my creative process. Mm -hmm. And, and whatever I was going to make was a combination of those two things. And it seems like with someone like, um, my God, his name is, I'm drawing a blank on his name. The original guy on, on, uh, Ant-Man, um, Oh, um, Shaun of the dead guy. Yeah. Edgar Wright. Edgar Wright. So with right, that, that's what I'm talking about. Edgar Wright. Is it? Um, I think so. With the power of Google. Um, <laughs> yeah, Edgar Wright. Okay. Um, so with someone like that, he's an auteur. He's got enough of his voice where he doesn't, you know, necessarily want the 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 as much input as Marvel would, would want to give. Mm-hmm. Whereas it seems like with this director, and I'm probably going to completely tear up his name, but I think it's Taika Waititi. Um, yeah, I don't know. Probably not. But whatever. Uh, he, he, it seemed like he just, he made his kind of movie, but he was able to, to, to work with Marvel's house style. And I don't know if you've seen any of his other movies, but like, I loved, absolutely love what we do in the shadows, which is amazing. Oh, Joe, you gotta see this film. It is. Have you heard about it? No, it is. I I own it. I'm sending this to you as soon as we're done recording. (laughs) It is a mock documentary of different types of vampires throughout literature and film, all living together, real world style. Oh my God. Yes. So it is like the romantic, like sexy, uh, uh, a Bram Stoker type vampire. It is the like Nosferatu, like weird alien style vampire. It is the like neurotic like you know introverted vampire all of them living together and and being filmed by um you know a a, a camera crew a la like the office that sounds brilliant brilliant. joe it is hilarious you (laughs) have to see this they're making i i heard recently that they're making a sequel about werewolves you have oh my god this this is so good 
Uh, and then I saw his more recent film, uh, Hunt for the uh, Wilder People, which is really great. It was with Sam Neill, who, um, this is a spoiler cast, so Sam Neill has a really quick kind of a, a cameo in Thor Ragnarok that I thought was hilarious. It was amazing. Um, and which one's he? he? He's uh, Odin in on the in the play. Oh, okay, okay. That's Sam Neill. Yeah, With and Matt so, Damon as Loki. Yes, and I I found this out. Someone had to point this out to me afterward. I think that's a Hemsworth brother as Thor. Oh, nice. Yeah, <laughs> I think I don't know what is Liam or Luke or whatever Hemsworth. That's that's Chris Hemsworth's brother playing him as Thor. That's great. Um, yeah, which is so amazing. But anyway, back to the filmmaker. I just thought he did a great job with this. And it's definitely, once you see his other films, Joe, you'll see what I'm talking about, where he definitely, this is his voice just molded into that that Marvel style. Right. Right. Well, that's awesome. Like, I, I, I really enjoyed the film. Like, I'm, I, was, there, was there stuff that bothered you about it? Any bad that you have to, to get off your chest? Oh, wow. Um... You know, something that I think worked maybe 90% of the time was uh, that what you were talking about, like the, the, the lightness and brevity and mm-hmm. kind of flippancy with, with how they dealt with certain dangling plot lines or whatnot, I think it definitely worked in the favor of the film most of the time to keep the plot moving and keep it running along. Um, but I think with a couple of things, it just it felt kind of... Uh, uh, dismissive or kind of like an afterthought, you know. I feel like they maybe did that maybe ten percent too much. Gotcha. gotcha. That's about it, though. I mean, that there was a couple of heavier moments, but they didn't try to overdo it. No. Um, whereas well, I felt like Guardians of the Galaxy two kind of overdid some of the heavier moments, and and this film didn't. Yeah. Well, and I I gotta say, Kate Blanchett as uh, Hella. Yeah. Um, I I like the fact that she had a sense of humor that. She was not afraid to be a little bit silly here and there. Right, right. And it made the character a little bit more enjoyable as opposed to, I mean, because that, that character could very easily be angsty, broody, angsty, broody. Yeah. No, no redeeming qualities whatsoever where like there was a, there was a lightness to the character that I did not expect at all. Right. And I feel like Kate Blanchett's just one of those actors who, you know, she, she doesn't, she doesn't know how to do anything halfway. Mm-mm. she's she's gonna approach every role you know like it is the ultimate role and it shows in her performances yeah um and i read somewhere i read in, in a review um the the which is something i hadn't considered um just a really great choice of putting together uh pairing this filmmaker who has a kind of light comedic style with a plot and subject matter that could that could potentially have been one of the heavier and grittier and gloomier Marvel plots, mm-hmm. you know, because we are talking about, you know, the Ragnarok. Yeah. <laughs> Doomsday, yeah. Basically. Um, and so like, you know, like you said, like a, with a character like Hela, where there was that bit of comedic influence, uh, it could have definitely gone another way. Yeah, no, definitely. And um, the other, the other character that kind of um, surprised me is I will be honest, just like, okay, I got into major trouble. <laughs> Lots of people got on my case because I said I couldn't I couldn't un Chris Pine um, Steve Trevor in Wonder Woman. <laughs> I just, and so many people. I don't think that that's the, no. He was perfect. He was a perfect Steve Trevor. I was like, well, I I couldn't like no. I saw him as Chris Pine and just I could not get away from it. And I am not at all a um, 
Oh my god, I just had his name. Jeff Goldblum. Jeff Goldblum. I know I that's what we're not going. a Jeff Goldblum <laughs> fan. I I did not fall into the oh my god, it's Jeff Goldblum being Jeff Goldblum, even though it was Jeff Goldblum being Jeff Goldblum. <laughs> like it was just a perfect match of actor and character that I was like, like I didn't. I didn't for I kind of was able to forget that it was Jeff Goldblum almost even though it's almost impossible to forget that it's Jeff Goldblum. Oh, that's amazing! That's great that it works in the, on that end because to me it was totally Goldblum as Goldblum and I loved it. <laughs> I loved every second of that performance because I love Jeff Goldblum and I love how weird he is and he just embraces it so. To me, on on the other end of that, it worked perfectly. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I will, and I will, I will clarify. I don't have a problem with Jeff Goldblum. I think he's phenomenal, and I will watch him interview any time of the day. It's just sometimes when he's supposed to be playing playing a character, you can't you can't divorce Jeff Goldblum from the character. And this one, I think the character was just already so written for him yeah. that yeah. it just worked. I'm dying to see uh, a scene with the collector and the grandmaster. Now, yes, I can't wait to see that scene. Uh. <laughs> um, let's see what else. Uh, have we talked about Chris Hemsworth uh, on the recording, or was this all us fawning before we hit record? No, I think we I think we talked about him <laughs> while we were were recording. Uh, <laughs> before we get to, I did think of one thing that that. I didn't mind, but I was like, I could have done without. I I wanted to see more Stephen Strange. I really? wanted to see more Doctor Strange, and I felt like his use in it was kind of like it didn't like you could have taken it out of the movie, and it wouldn't have done anything. Oh, see that that I that made me feel even more like um, a Marvel comic book experience because there's always that like cam that like two page cameo. That's a good point. Oh, that's a good point. And it's like you could easily not have that in the comic book, but that is what makes it so Marvel is that they've created this universe where, you know, instead of Spider-Man just going to some doctor, he goes to Doctor Strange. You know what I mean? Right, right. And I feel like that's been, that's a big payoff that now is, is paying off for these – well, duh. But <laughs> literally paying off for these movies that the, the Marvel Cinematic Universe has – it's just – amazing that they've achieved this it kind of boggles my mind when i think about it that that now they're almost i mean i know there is the comic book universe but now the the movie universe exists separately from that Mm -hmm. for a whole generation of fans who will regard the cinematic universe the way we have all regarded the comic book universe growing up that's a really good point. And, and I guess, I mean, like I said, it's not that I didn't like seeing him there. I just wanted more of him. When I heard that he was going to be in Thor, I was like, I'm excited about Thor now. And I didn't get enough of him. But you're right. There's so many comic books where there's like five panels of, of uh, a cameo and yeah. then they move on with their life. So you're, you're absolutely right. Yeah. To me, it was just the right amount. I think too much. It's like, I didn't want this to be like, uh, a, a strange and Thor buddy movie. I was super glad that it was more of a Hulk and Thor buddy movie because mm-hmm. all of that was gold. Yes, all of it. Yes, I loved. I loved when we're, we're getting into spoilers, folks. I loved it when the Hulk did the whole puny god thing to Thor. And Loki's reaction. He's like, yes. Now you know how it feels. That was so good. Yeah, I. You know. The Hulk is and needs to be a supporting character. You know, I think we, we've stated that before, but mm-hmm. 
it's just like further cements that fact about the Hulk, you know, no need to make any more standalone Hulk movies. I think uh, him as supporting character works great. And I was prepared to cringe myself out of the theater when I realized that they were going to give him more of a speaking role. I was like, oh, no. Oh, no. This could be so bad. And <laughs> it I was, could have been. Right? It could yes. have been so bad. And I was really, really surprised with, with how they handled it because it worked. It totally worked. Yeah, no, it really did. Now, I, I think it, – it, Ladies and gentlemen, if we if we are repeating this, we apologize, but we did talk a little bit before, which we sh- we we should know better by now that yeah, we shouldn't we should. talk about what we're going to talk about before we actually start recording. But yes, both Ray and I were talking about um, you know, Chris Hemsworth and I I went into this thinking, you know what, at the very least, even if it's a terrible movie, which I didn't expect it to be, but even if it was a terrible movie, I could look at Chris Hemsworth. <laughs> I think there's like a collective gasp in the movie theater. like certain scenes this guy just like they cast the perfect thor he is thor come to life like i can't imagine anyone else playing this role better and and you mentioned i think i think it was you that said because i said he's getting he's starting to get up there all of them are in age and and you said he's just getting better (laughs) yeah it is it's working for all of them uh but i think probably hensworth the most Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and then and then i also you know all of the, uh, I have noticed in all of the movies lately, the guys are the ones getting the, the beefcake shots. You know, it's not so much that they're lingering on the women. Right. They're, they're, you know, objectifying the men. And I think it was brilliant that they yes. also did a objection uh, or a objectifying shot of the Hulk. Yeah, that was great. And I, yeah, totally. I feel like, you know, Marvel's very smart. They know where their bread is buttered. You know, they're, mm-hmm. they're appealing to their entire audience. Um, and, uh, yeah, I think his it's also really helping that they're allowing, you know, his comedy chops to come out more uh, with this character now with this movie because Hensworth is brilliant. Um, you know, Ghostbusters and um, was another I think he had a cameo in one of the National Lampoon movies where he was really funny. But um, I also let me ask you a question now. Purely while while we're on the topic of objectifying Thor, mm-hmm. um, how do you feel about the haircut? Because I've heard kind of split reaction to that. <laughs> Matt looked over to me and was like, "Uh, uh," because neither of us are big long hair guys. So he was just like, "Uh," I'm like, "Yes, sweetie, it, it was beautiful. <laughs> it was beautiful. Anyway, his hair is cut." Yeah, I was really happy about the haircut. Not everyone around me was, but I was really happy about the haircut. I thought, I don't know, it just makes it a more believable character to me. And I think it went with some of the costume choices, mm-hmm. even though even though the colors were so very much neon and kind of out there and comic booky, I I was really paying attention to how the the outfits were were grittier and it felt like more like handmade leather stuff mm-hmm. and it, it was almost like they were doing more with less com- costume wise i would agree you know Absolutely. because if if it avengers the the whole look was kind of 80s you know hair <laughs> with uh <laughs> with you know shiny unnecessary details on the costumes, you know, kind of space agey kind of stuff. Right. This was more of, I don't know if it's the game of Thrones influence or what, but this was more of a, of a downplayed look that yet still totally had this like jumping off the screen kind of quality. So it just worked really well. well I think it had a little bit of the, I mean, wouldn't you say it has a little bit of the, the 
I don't ever want to refer to 80s as simple, because simple, <laughs> that's not the word. But I mean, when you think about kind of the the 80s rock movement, it was kind of just leather. It wasn't, you know, yeah. you know leather yeah, that, and t-shirts. And, and I think it kind of felt that way. I, it, you know, that it makes the Led Zeppelin choice even more. I know they're a 70s group, but still, mm-hmm. um, I, think, I think the music, everything just worked together. Just the... You know the art direction and the and the score and uh, the writing was all great. Um, I do have one more thing to bring up. I don't know if there was anything else you wanted to touch on. Um, just uh, just Valkyrie. We didn't talk to Valkyrie at all. I was saving the best for last, man. <laughs> Tessa Thompson. <laughs> Tessa Thompson rocked my damn world. I mean, this care. I want to see more Valkyrie movies. Mm-hmm. I completely fell in love with this character from the, her first scene. She like totally owned that role. It's almost a thing now where it was like, I didn't, re- I, I didn't even realize that this character was missing from mm-hmm. these movies. And now like, I can't imagine them without her in it. And, and I was ready to go into the movie going, she's the thing I'm going to hate about this movie. And I don't mm-hmm. know why I just, she felt in all the promos, she just kind of felt out of place. And yeah, she just wasn't, she wasn't gelling for me, but, um, I loved, I loved her. I loved the fact that she kind of had a very, like, she wasn't hard for no reason. Right. Um, The, the story development was there and she wasn't just a love interest. She just wasn't, she wasn't there for romance purposes at all. Yeah. She was barely a love interest. If if I I wouldn't even say she was, uh, right. Yeah. Um, and I, yeah, the character development was really what blew me away. I love the little quirks that they gave her. I love that she's drunk for most of the movie. <laughs> um, you know, I love that she, she really did exude that attitude and that toughness. It, it, in no way did it feel like a cosmetic choice. You know what I mean? Yes. The one um, thing I, I, I did miss, and this is coming from me who hates horses. I did want to see her flying around on a Pegasus because I feel like that would have been just uh, like, like how how heavy metal does like it's it's on covers like me too yes I wanted to see that too mm-hmm. absolutely um yeah no I thought she was great and honestly I mean I was looking forward to the character but I was also a bit worried with just how it would be handled obviously Marvel is you know progressive and is thinking about their audience and is trying to diversify and so. Um, I even, you know, I actually read recently that um, even though they don't necessarily are like completely, um, I want to say, on the nose with it in the film, she is technically, I think, the first uh, LGBTQ uh, character in the Marvel Universe. Oh, well, yes. that's cool. And, yes. And in that, uh, they do hint at it in that um, flashback where there, you know, someone jumps in front of her and saves her. That is her, was her lover. Oh. Yeah. I did not get that. That's yeah. awesome. And so, yeah. So, I was totally stoked on the character going into the film, and I was just hoping that, you know, they wouldn't mess it up or, you know, maybe, I don't know, take a wrong turn. Um, and I was really, really blown away with how they handled the character. Um, how the, her story was not dependent on Thor. You know, she had agency, you know what I mean? Like, she was fighting for her own reasons at the end there, you know? Um, and when, was, and all, in all honesty, when she was fighting, neither of the guys took a moment to be impressed. 
It was just, <laughs> I mean, I mean, like, like, I feel like that's an important thing. Like they, they just expected she's a badass. She's going to do badass things. And there we go. Like there was yeah. no like, Oh, she's really actually a good fighter. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah, sure. yeah absolutely. Right away. Thor was impressed as was, uh, I think it was Loki when they were like, Oh, you're a Valkyrie. Like, Whoa, you're a badass. You mm-hmm. know? Um, and I, I love how they, I, to me, and I don't know, you know, tell me if I'm reading into this, but I don't think I am. I think they, they were definitely some winks and some nods towards like, um, you know, taking over someone's land and, uh, you know, coming in and pushing people out of the way. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, there was some of that in the story that I feel like it, if you're going to do if you're going to nod to things that, you know, part of the converse, the social conversation that's happening nowadays, um, I think that that was a really great way to do it where, you know, obviously sci-fi has always been a, a sort of avenue for that where you can take, you know, build allegories or whatnot. Mm-hmm. Um, and I love that Marvel films are taking that on, taking that on as a challenge because they don't have to. No, they really don't. You know, this, this can just, this is just work as, you know, pure popcorn, you know, entertainment um but i really love that aspect as well it's just like another layer that just really makes it awesome for me yeah no okay but i i there's there, i don't know how much other good stuff i can say about this like <laughs> yeah, i don't know that, like this doesn't uh, this this doesn't surpass my love for um civil war which still is just like my oh my god i love this movie so much but <laughs> It's it's definitely up there. It's up there with I I Ant Man's one of my favorites, and this is definitely up there with my favorites. We're gonna have to have an episode soon where we start ranking the Marvel movies, man. Oh man, maybe that's maybe that's our end of the year one. <laughs> that would be awesome. Yeah, because we'll, we'll include that in somewhere. Fight. <laughs> <laughs> We're gonna fight. <laughs> We're gonna fight. Um, yeah, I think this is way up there for me. And I, I'm, I'll just say this, just to kind of tease that future episode that hypothetically is gonna happen. Um, you know, I rewatched Civil War and it, it just didn't hold up for me. You said that, and I haven't rewatched it because I, I don't get a chance oh. to rewatch a lot of these movies. So, you know, maybe on the second, maybe on the second watch through, it wouldn't be as as good. But I don't know, man. It's got I'm everything gonna, I want in a, in a Marvel movie. I'm gonna call my shot right now. I'm gonna say that I'm a little bit worried about the Russo brothers doing uh, Infinity Wars one and two. No. Yes, I'm a little bit worried because uh, Captain America Winter Soldier was a, a, it, it was still enjoyable. But I remember when I first saw that film, I loved that film. And I mean, obviously, it's all relative. We've come a long way from then. But at that moment, to me, that was my favorite Marvel film. Mm-hmm. And when I watched it the second time, it felt a little bit plotting. And then Civil War, when I watched that a second time, it felt even more plotting. Okay, and I think- stop watching him again. <laughs> I think what I was missing, I was missing that snap, that Joss Whedon Avengers. Um, uh, uh, I can't think of the name of the the, the filmmaker for um, Joe Gunn. I think his name is um, on uh, on Guardians of the Galaxy. That comedic kind of light energy kind of snap thing is is not as much with the Russo brothers. So we'll see, we'll see. But I'm definitely kind of tempering my expectations a little bit based on that. Okay. All right. Well, we'll we'll have to we'll have to fit in that episode and see where it lands us. Um, All right. But yeah, yeah. <laughs> we'll we'll have to go in like I do with a lot of my business dealings, where no matter what happens, we will remain friends. <laughs> okay. 
All right. All right. Now you typed in something here that, cause I said moving forward, we, we usually <laughs> talk about what's going to happen in, in the upcoming movies, but I, I almost don't even want to start because we'll be here for another hour. But oh, you really? Yes. But you did write, you did write <laughs> New Mutants, which has nothing to do with Avengers. <laughs> and so, and so I'm going to ask you why you're putting this into a, a Thor Ragnarok. <laughs> Because one, it's just a trailer, and two, there is no way I was going to let you get out of this conversation without at least discussing. We used to do news and stuff, and we don't do that anymore. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, should I do like a geeky thing I did this week? I'm like, no, that isn't quite like, oh, I watched the New Mutants trailer. Um, I, I was hoping to just ha- get your, your feedback on that because I know we, we briefly discussed it in, in, a, in a couple of messages. But if you feel like it's too much to get into right now, that's fine. I just definitely wanted to throw that in the mix. Oh, no. When I, I said when I said we don't want to get into it, I meant going into like Avengers Infinity War because you and I could probably have uh, – like we could theory craft what's going to happen in Avengers Infinity War. Oh, no, I definitely yeah. want to unpack New Mutants because okay, I haven't had a chance to do so. <laughs> Yeah, I feel like going forward with Thor, yeah, I mean, Marvel, we know what we're going to get at this point, and I'm really excited going forward. Um, it, it almost feels like this is the this is the easy franchise, you know? X-Men gets difficult, DC is a mess, you know? So, <laughs> um, going forward, it's going to be, like, cool. Like, we're looking forward to Black Panther, we're looking forward to Ant-Man and Wasp, we're looking forward to, you know, Infinity Wars... I don't know. It's all gravy. I feel like. Yeah. No, I would agree. And at this point, I'm, I, I've I've honestly thought a couple of times. I don't know that we need to discuss a lot of the Marvel movies. We will, of course. But I feel like as they come up, I have less and less to criticize because I just enjoy the movies. Yeah. And, yeah. And so I think you know, I think this is a good example of that. All right. So no, New Mutants. <laughs> <laughs> Ray, this is where I need you to just like hold me and tell me it's going to be okay. Like that's what I need right now. Because I don't apologize for the fact that the New Mutants are my comic book. Like that—that is—that is my. Th- those are my X Men. Those are my babies. Like I, oh, I have such a connection with these characters, and they're turning it into a horror film. And I will give you that the idea of a comic book horror film is awesome, but not with my New Mutants. And everybody <laughs> keeps telling me like it might be okay, and I don't want to be the person that's like. No, not my hashtag, not my new mutants. But so I'm terrified, Ray. I'm terrified. I feel so bad for you, Joe, because trust me, like I am the guy that's always talking about, you know, kill the past. You know what I mean? Let it let the comics be what they were. Let's forge new territory. You know, I'm all about, you know, forget continuity, forget the character's past. Let's, you know, what are some new possibilities for this character, new permeations? You know, uh, the Ultimates was my jam, the, the, the reboot of Avengers, you know, the grittier stuff. Mm-hmm. I'm all for that. All that being said, which is why I'm excited about New Mutants. All that being said, if they took my darling title from when I was young, which for me was Savage Dragon, Eric Larson's Savage Dragon. If they took that and decided now we're going to do a, a superhero western comic book movie and we're gonna take this character to do it i would be pissed i would be like okay no not with that that title is a thing that that deserves its its due and please don't get all you know creative with that um so i feel for you 
uh, I, I've read that. I like, and it's I'm getting it from two directions. I'm getting it from from you, and I'm getting it from my friend Rob, at, not Rob from the comic box, my my friend Rob Hines, and. And both of you are saying it's probably going to be okay. It's probably like he's sending me articles like read this. <laughs> and, oh, and and it's like when you read what the director's going for, I can't disagree. I'm like, yes. I, I got it. I see your vision. I understand. But why are you testing it out on my <laughs> characters? Like, why? Why are you doing this to me? I mean, I almost feel like I don't really have a place to argue with you on this because I am not as familiar with this title as you are. You know, it's beloved by you. And mm-hmm. I'm, I've read a few issues and I'm, and I'm aware of the various storylines, uh, especially the, the landmark ones. But, you know, I'm not as invested. So from what, from my understanding, and I know we talked about this before, there was always a horror element to the series, right? I mean, it was about, you know, their their family connection as a group, kind of what the X-Men has always been about. But with New Mutants, they were kind of refocusing that part of the book. Mm-hmm. But there was always, there was like a demon bear and there was like a character who lived in hell. And yes, there was no, like there was, they went very dark for teenage, for teenage characters. And the, the, the two big landmark, I think, storylines are, are the demon bear. And the um, magic's magic storyline, right? Magical storyline, which leads yeah. into um, the Inferno crossover, right? Right. And right. and so I I get it. Like I know that that's there. <laughs> I do know that that's there, and I enjoy it. And it's weird and it's creepy. And new New Mutants had the the is it um, Bill Sinkevich? Yes. Oh, like God, all this crazy girl. art that you wouldn't expect, and I, I feel like there's a place for that, and and they could do such cool things with that, but to just <laughs> to just shoot out of the barrel from the very get go with horror, I'm like I I I just am I'm afraid, Ray. I'm I'm scared. A question. Question. We've only seen the first trailer. Yes. If the next snippet of footage that we see is a quieter more uh uh i want to say um maybe it's a scene maybe instead of a cut trailer it's it's a scene where two characters are building some kind of camaraderie or you know um kind of kind of connecting you know it will that ease your worries like if there if that is an element as well it just hasn't been highlighted in the first trailer where they're trying to like drum up interest I don't know because the, the, the trailer so establishes like they're here and that's where they start that I just, I like, here's, here's my, I, and I was thinking as you were talking about, what is it that I want? Like, what is it that I am expecting? Like the reason why I find the new mutants so compelling, especially when they start getting into the weird horror stuff is that they are, they're brought into the X mansion, not as soldiers not as a team that's supposed to fight right professor x doesn't want them to fight he but but moira mctaggart convinces him that it is his responsibility to to teach these kids how to control their powers and their whole thing is screw that we want to be x-men and so there's this hopefulness there's this defying um, authority. There's the, the innocence of getting into trouble because you're, you don't understand how scary the world is yet. And then they very quickly start learning 
that the world is a scary, scary place. And that's what makes their character's journey for me, very powerful. It starts off being very innocent and ends in that dark place. And I think by starting it in that dark place, you kill any of the joy that they start out with. So it's less impactful later on when they lose that innocence. That's a, that is a great argument. That, that is my concern. I'm going to go watch this and I'm going to brace myself to be just like crying by the end going, this is horrible. But I also realize that that's not fair and that I need to approach it like we approach all of our other movies going, let's go in, let's see what they do with it, and then judge it on the work it is. But it's going to be very hard. It's going to be very, very hard for me. Um, are, is, is a tiny part of you um, excited or stoked to see, you know, magic bust out her, her soul sword? Well, that's, I, that's the thing. It's like, I'm, 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 the fear has overcome part of that. Oh, like that's, that's the thing. I, I'm, <laughs> I, I am, I am existing in a place of dread for this movie. And I don't, oh and, and, and that's, I think that's even the worst part of it is like, I can't get excited about it because I'm so worried that it's not going to be good. And, oh, and, I'm, and I'm even more worried that it's going to be good and everybody's going to tell me how good it is, but I'm not going to like it because it's not what I want it to be. And that's, that's not fair to the movie. That just reminds me of like when the Packers would make the Super Bowl. Like I normally, you know, not that I'm really watching football anymore nowadays, but in the past growing up, like the Super Bowl was like a joyous day for me because I was such a nutty sports fan. But whenever the Packers were in the Super Bowl, I didn't enjoy a second of it because I was preoccupied with what I wanted the outcome to be. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? This kind of sounds like that for you. Yeah, and, and I, I didn't realize it's irrational. I like I, I I am not proud of this reaction on this this movie. <laughs> I I like I even just talking about it. I'm like like I'm having a physical reaction. Right, I can't even explain oh, it to you. And I'm so glad I brought this up. <laughs> yeah, I mean I'm glad I'm glad you did too because I haven't been able to talk about it with anybody and uh, you know vocally. It's only been through texts in between like breaks at school. So. You know, I'm just, I'm hoping that it will be good, but I'm not even in a place with this movie yet that I can look forward to it. Like, I'm just dreading, like, I'm going to have to, it's going to be like a root canal. I'm just going to have to get it over with. And then I'm hoping that I come out on the other side going, wow, that was good. Yeah. 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 That's, that's where it's going to be. I think, um, my one nitpick, honestly, um, and again, I don't really usually, you know, need there to be like an exact following of the comic book material. Mm-hmm. But I was kind of bummed that um, the, the character, the role of Dr. Cecilia Reyes, who in the comics, um, and I really got into X-Men around the time that that character was introduced. So mm-hmm. I love that character. I, yeah. And in the comics, she's an Afro-Latina, which is amazing because, you know, of all the X-Men characters, like that's very rare that they would have not just a Latina in the role, but like specifically an Afro-Latina, which like never gets any, you know, any kind of exposure. Um, and, 
Rosario Dawson was originally in talks to play that role, which I thought would have been perfect. And it ended up going to Alice Braga, who um, I'm sure she's going to do a great job. I like her and other stuff that I've seen. I just wish that they had stuck, at least with that character, you know, for, for other reasons, had stuck more closely to the character. But still, I mean, I'm, I'm excited to see it. Um, it's a little confusing from the trailers because they almost set her up as to be like one of the villains. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, wait a minute, Sarah Reyes is an X-Men character. You know what I mean? Like, she, she's like, like, she she's is not creepy. <laughs> well, she's not creepy, and she's like all good. Like she's one of those characters that, like, yeah. I can see where Rosario Dawson would be a perfect match for that because she's because she's Night Nurse, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. It's very much that character. Like Claire, yeah. Claire is very much the look. I'm just here to do my job, and and she didn't even want to be like Cecilia Reyes didn't even want to be uh, an X Men. Right, she, I remember that. She, it was during a time when the the Sentinel program was just like really, really notched up to eleven, and yes. so she was she was there for protection, and she just wanted to be a doctor to help people. Like this this whole superhero thing, like no, she wasn't on board for it. So if they make her like this dark, creepy, weird character, it's like seriously, that's what you did to this amazing character that doesn't get enough play. Yeah, yeah, that's the one thing that I'm bummed about. Um, but you know, we'll see. I'm willing to to give it a chance and see what they do with this film because I'm just I'm just excited for how you know the evolution of of comic book uh, movies. You know what I mean? And yeah. and I'm I'm rooting for this film not just obviously because you know I I like the X Men franchise and I want it to do well, but because I, I think that just like with Wolverine and and with um or Logan. And with a Deadpool, you know, if, if they take chances and they work, even Thor Ragnarok to some extent, you know, definitely was taking some chances in terms of like the the comedy aspect and just the far out quality of the characters and, and the story. Um, the better those films do, then that means that the, the more willing, you know, these studios will, will, will be to take more chances in the future. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, we've said it in the past as far as, as we should go see a movie, but this one, I may have to just rally the troops. I need to get everybody to just go with me so that I have people to cry. Yeah. On, whether that it's tears good. of joy or tears of sorrow, like I will that need, I will need physical support from people. Let's do that. Yeah. Let's, <laughs> let's put that in the calendar. I'm down. All right, man. Shout outs. Um, once again, as I mentioned earlier, uh, my coworker, Gloria Rivera, uh, she's awesome to work with. Really glad that she's on our team. Um, especially because, you know, I have someone to geek out about comic books with now in the office. Um, you know, albeit she is into a, a much different genre of comics than I am, but even that is awesome because she's, you know, after reading comics for all the years that I have, she's exposing me to new things and it's, uh, I'm really enjoying that. So shout out to Gloria. Awesome. Palm Springs Comic Con was the weekend before this published. And I don't think anybody, um, understands how much work goes into second year comic conventions. So I just want to tip my hats off to, uh, Alex Colego and his people for putting on an amazing comic con. So just, you know, bravo to Alex and he's been on our shows before and, uh, and you know, just thank you for throwing an amazing event in a wonderful city. Cool. Coming up next week, Ray Burhit in episode 100. That is, am- I can't wrap my head around that. I know. I know. I'm, I'm excited and, and a little nervous, <laughs> a little nervous. So, um, next, next week's going to be all sorts of different than we normally do. Um, I'm going to be having interviews. We're going to have a panel from Palm Springs Comic Con put in there. Rob from the comic box is actually going to host, 
um, the the hundredth episode, and I think I'm going to get interviewed. So it will be it'll be a very interesting interesting episode. I hope you guys will all join us, and I hope you guys contribute. If you're if you've enjoyed the show, if you've come in from the very beginning, if you've come in halfway through, if this is your first episode, go ahead and and and. Send me a shout out. Let me know what your favorite moment or favorite episode or favorite guest was on the show. You can send me an email at joehogan at gmail.com. I'll, I'll read it on the show, or you can send me an audio file for all my podcast friends out there. Just let us know what, what you've thought of the show thus far, and we'll try and include as many of those as we can. All the music in this episode is by Ben Sound and is being used under a Creative Commons license. You can find more music by Ben Sound at bensound.com. Geektitude is a proud member of the geek to geek Network. Check out our other geek to geek shows, such as geek to geek Podcast, Video Game News Now, Geek Fitness Health Hacks, and The Comic Box, as well as our latest edition, Tea Time with Katie and Chelsea. And we had Katie on last week, so make sure you check out those shows. Also, make sure you join our Reddit community at reddit.com forward slash r forward slash geek to geek cast you can currently find us at geek2.com as well as on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, and most other podcatchers out there. Please leave us a review and spread the word. If you'd like to contact me, you can send me an email at joehogan at geektitude.com. You can also follow the show on Twitter at geektitude or me personally at Epic Grays. Ray, where can we find you? Uh, you can find my website at rayvargas3.com. That's Ray Vargas and then the number three. Uh, and that's also where I am across uh, all social media. So on Facebook and Instagram and Twitter and Tumblr, I'm at backslash Ray Vargas and then the number three. Awesome. Well, thank you very much, Ray, for joining us for uh, Thor. And uh, I think we're going to be talking a couple more weeks about Justice League. So we'll see you then. This is, yeah, this was great. This was a lot of fun. I, I miss doing this. And now I'm looking forward to Justice League. Yeah. All right, guys. <laughs> and for all of you listening out there, remember this week... Keep it geek. The Red Legion took away our home. Dominus Gaul has stolen our light. But from the ashes, a fire team of guardians rise to. Guardian down. Wait, wait, wait. Who was that? Uh, Titan, no jump good. This is Happy Hour from the Tower. I'm T. I'm Nick. I'm Brandon. And we're going to talk about all things Destiny. Why we play. Why we love punching aliens in the face. And why T's aim needs a little bit of work. Have you got that? Say you've got it. See something! A podcast for players of all levels. Find Happy Hour from the Tower on iTunes, Stitcher, or at happyhourfromthetower.com. Eyes up, Guardian. Time to give up the ghost. It's Happy Hour from the Tower. First round's on us. song means it is once again time to promo the Geek Wolf Pack podcast. I'm your Papa Wolf, Nick Kelly. And I'm your Mama Wolf, Stacia Kelly. And I'm Thermal Wolf, Brandon Kelly. Here on the podcast, we're just a couple of generations geeking out and sharing what we think we think. We'll share the latest nerd news and sci-fi happenings. Looking for life hacks? I'll tell you if there's an app for that. And I'll give you the latest from a gamer's point of view. Plus, every episode includes some of what we like to call ADHD d and I'm a healer, and I killed a dragon. 
Spoilers. <laughs> so join us here at the Geek Wolfpack Podcast. Join us on iTunes, Stitcher, Blueberry, or wherever you find your podcasts, or simply at geekwolfpackpodcast.com. And as always, geek out. <laughs>